0: You want to get in on the action we want to hear from you email us at fade route mail at gmail.com with your questions comments picks segment suggestions you name it we want to hear from you we're on instagram too slide in our dms at fade route podcast get at us It's very hard for me to pick against Tom Brady in this game. And I'm not gonna. I'm <laughs> going to take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to beat the Aaron Rodgers-led Green Bay Packers. And Brady's just gonna do just enough to win.
1: Oh, I'm taking. Oh, I'm well? taking Tom all the way. You know it. Uh, of course. Uh, I'm taking Kansas City. I think uh, Pat Mahomes on one leg and one and um, one arm could beat the Buffalo Bills.
0: Welcome to The Fade Route with D and Z. Here are your hosts, D and Z. Welcome everybody to this week's episode of The Fade Route with D and Z. I am Z and the intros to our show are starting to become a little redundant as... Once again, 2021 puts us in a position that 2020 left us in, where we have to pay respects, and well-deserved respects, to a sports legend. Henry Aaron, better known as Hank Aaron, better known as Hammer and Hank Aaron, passed away at the age of 86, looked damn good for his age too. Hall of Famer, some will say he is still the home-run king at 755. But there's a major asterisk on that, and uh, we'll get to that shortly as well. Put the Milwaukee Braves on the map. Put the Atlanta Braves on the map. Finished his career with the Milwaukee Brewers, and that is where he formed his lifelong friendship with Bud Selig, who would later become the commissioner of the league. And he will leave a major legacy that... Will go unchallenged throughout the course of time. Henry Arm is a great player, not just a power hitter. He had a—he was an over three hundred hitter. So for his career, he definitely was a great all-around player, not just the power hitter that people know because of the seven hundred fifty-five career home runs. But another legend gone before our eyes, and rest in peace, Hank. We know that um, the road wasn't easy, but we hope that it was worth it. And here he is. I've known this guy since our days on Carousel Shoes. Flight crew through and through the last QB in St. John's history. What's up, D? How's it going, man?
1: Man, talk about a legend. I mean, to me, he is still the home run champ. 755 home runs, especially all the adversity he faced chasing down Ruth during some difficult times Got death in baseball's for history. And, like you said, lifetime 305 hitter. Never hit more than 45 home runs in a season. I don't even think the guy had batting gloves. Like, wow. You know, I think, you know, I'm, a, I'm an Atlanta Braves fan. And, you know, I hope that Atlanta Braves never change their name. But if they want to change it to the Atlanta Hammers for Hank Aaron, I'm all for it
0: i would love that that's actually a really great tribute i would be all for that and you know what if bud steeling is listening and bud we hope you are if you want to run this up the flagpole to that schmuck rob manfred let's uh make that happen um one of the funny anecdotes
1: you know when when legends become real print the legend i mean that's that's what Hank aaron is
0: one hundred percent, one hundred percent. There's a, a really funny anecdote that I heard about him. One day, he was at spring training, I believe, in Braves camp, or it might have been Brewers camp. Uh, either way, he was uh, he was doing a, a special hitting drill, and he was trying to instruct guys on how to do it, and they just weren't getting it. So he's like, he took the bat, and then he's like, he just started whack. He just placed the ball exactly where he wanted to, turned around, and said, "Why can't you do it like this?" So, like, the hand-eye coordination he was a, is unreal. He, he, was a, he was a 25-time All-Star. Right. 25 times. Like,
1: come on, man. This is not a softball league. No. This is Major League Baseball.
0: No, 100%. And Six And
1: feet, 180 pounds, like, not even, like, a big,
0: roided-out guy. Like, average man, just quick bat. Okay. That's it. Hand-eye coordination, quick bat, and really could be he really had that skill almost like Tony Gwynn where he could put it exactly where he wanted it just based on hand eye coordination and vision it's a it's really a talent and not many guys have that anymore and you know what the hall of fame has definitely you know immortalized him and now he will live on forever through cooperstown but the 2021 hall of fame class will go empty uh kurt schilling was the closest one to getting in you need 75 percent of the votes and he only got about 71 up about one percent fell 16 votes short of the necessary threshold and i mean his response i mean it is definitely calculated on his part he said uh he requested that his name be removed from the ballot if he felt he wasn't going to be getting a fair shake from the BBWAA and he wanted to go in on uh, the player's accord. So, I mean, in a court of law, we'd call that a jury of his peers, but um, yeah, like the top three vote getters would definitely be number one in the hall of assholes. So you got Schilling bonds and Roger Clemens finished in the top three and the other two didn't even finish that close. So This year in Cooperstown, we're going to do the 2020 redo, and Derek Jeter is going to get a lot of airtime.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, when it comes down to it, you can't say anything about Curt Schilling the player. Like, Curt Schilling the player was baller. Like, 3.46 ERA, over 3,000 strikeouts, 13-time All-Star Four and one in World Series with a two point zero six ERA, eleven and two postseason record. He single handedly beat the Yankees with Randy Johnson in the two thousand one World Series. He helped the Red Sox, I think, win two titles. Like he was a straight beast. This, you know, it's just the problem is, is the things he he talks about off the field. It's very standoffish. People feel makes people feel uncomfortable, and I think it's unfair to judge Curt Schilling, the player, as Curt Schilling, the, the civilian. And I think that's what's happening
0: here. I agree with that. Uh, Major League Baseball definitely has its own legacy of letting unsavory characters into the Hall of Fame already. I mean, Ty Cobb is a known racist. So that's the <laughs> one example I can think of. And, you know, we are of the same mindset about this whether he's a double he's a double dipper too he is a double dipper you know like you dipped your chip you ate it and you dipped again but with with that like we're of the same mindset regarding bonds and clemens that you know let them all in like just dedicate that wing to just the cheaters and the people who defrauded the game and cheated the game The black Sox, pete rose the steroid guys i mean gaylord perry's already in he's admitted that he's doctored the ball so as far as that goes, I think,
1: well, yeah, I mean, the thing is, wait, is with baseball, most of it's like cheating, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, I mean, they call it stealing bases, stealing signs. You know, you do doctor the baseball, you mess with your bat, like, you know, cheating is, is, is a known part of baseball. Uh, my problem I have is these guys cheated, lied about it. And then it later came out that they really did do it. Uh, we've talked, you know, off time off the air about Andy Pettit, like, you know, Andy Pettit took steroids, but it wasn't it wasn't for him to gain an advantage. It was for him to get better. He was rehabbing and he wanted to get back and help his team and he didn't lie about it. He came out and admitted it right away. I'm cool with that. You know, I get it. You know, no, I- it's either you either you let them all in or don't let any of them in. I'm not, I'm just you know, I don't want to talk about it anymore. And it's it, you know what the worst part is, it's creating a cloud over cooperstown you know because you're 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 getting into a situation where some people don't even want to go because it's like you know you're you're discrediting the people that are there like what are you going to do you're going to have hank aaron in the hall of fame and then next to his bus you're going to have barry bonds right you're going to have his bus next to a rod You just you can't do that. Right. So that's next year. That's That's
0: a that's a whole nother horse of a different color. You got Rod and David Ortiz coming up. Right.
1: Right. And the funny part is, is I was actually talking to a friend of mine about David Ortiz. He's a you know, he's a big Yankees fan and he really doesn't like him. I would not be surprised if David Ortiz becomes a first ballot Hall of Famer. I really wouldn't. I wouldn't. And it's just because of how much he meant to the city of Boston. He was. On the team, he he was good with the writers. You know, he didn't. He wasn't like Barry Bonds, and he wasn't like uh, uh, Roger Clemens, and he wasn't like Curt Schilling. Like he's a lovable person, and he he got them. You know, two World Series, and I think he got them two or three. And he was one of the best players on that team, and you know what? There is going to be an uproar. Is might be that might be the starting point of when this all these dominoes start to fall is next year when he becomes eligible and could possibly get in.
0: But you, to tie it back to what you said about David Ortiz is good with the media, and that's why he's probably got an inside track, Curt Schilling has a combative relationship with the media, which is funny because at one point he was an analyst for ESPN. And the BBWAA in particular have a reputation for being vindictive to people who are mean to them, like Jim Rice. Yeah, Jim Rice was a prick. Yeah, I get that. Jim Rice was a prick to you. He didn't want to answer your questions. Albert Bell was a prick to you. He didn't want to answer your questions after playing his ass off on the field. Put your big boy pants on. You're going to hold a grudge against a great player, a deserving player, because he was mean to you? Really? Come on. You know, be an adult. Put your feelings aside and objectively review his career. Right. Jim and Rice I think this is got in. Yeah.
1: yeah. And I think this, is
0: done.
1: this is also different than like the Joe Morgan stance, right? This is mm-hmm. more along the lines of, Hey, listen, this guy was one of the best players. He should be in there with us. It's not like, you know, with Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens is like, these guys are known cheaters. I don't want them in the hall of fame with me, no. you know? And Joe Morgan was notorious for writing a letter every year, telling other people in the hall of fame, Hey, these guys don't belong in here because he did it the wrong way. Now, like Kurt Schilling's saying, and, and I'm starting to think more about this, it, it, Kurt's going to leave it up to the Veterans Committee. They will vote him in. I don't have a doubt about that. And then you start to wonder if years from now, the Veterans Committee is also going to vote in A Rod and vote in Barry Bonds and vote in Roger Clem, right? You would think that right. their peers, because their peers cheated, are gonna gonna let them in especially if you're a guy who cheated and did get in
0: right and then also look at the look at the writers right this is like the old guard guardians of the game like we're gonna like keep you out and you know as those guys start to fade off into the sunset retire pass on you know that's life they're going to get replaced by guys like the bloggers of the of the the bloggers of the world, the podcasters of the world, dan lebitards of the world who don't who see it more as a museum. And you know what? At the end of the day it is a museum and while you showcase the good, you also need to showcase the bad. And I think most more guys are going to realize that and as things progress and the more bad seeds there are, I think that is going to be looked at more objectively. Because you know everybody is changing, and the the landscape of the baseball writer is changing. So I, you think, know, it's better, I think it's better. I think it's
1: time. yeah, it's better to get voted in by your peers anyway. I mean, he, I think he's right in that sense. Like, I don't care about what you writers think. If the people I played with think I should be in, I'm fine with that.
0: It's time for the fading, where we give a nod. To the trending sports stories of the week. Well, one guy who is praised by his peers and the media and writers alike, well, two guys really, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, went at it in the NFC Championship game. And Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers came out on top 31 26. Brady didn't have a great game by statistical, you know analysis 20 to 36 for 280 three touchdowns three picks not that great meanwhile rogers 33 of 48 for 346 with three touchdowns and only one pick uh rogers was sacked five times as opposed to brady who only went down once and then Fournette carried a little bit of the load with 55 yards what this game is going to be known for really is Matt LaFleur's decision at the end of the game, down by eight, to kick a field goal on fourth down, taking the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands instead of going for a touchdown and relying on his defense to try and get it stopped. Ultimately, do you think it was more of a Green Bay loss or a Tampa Bay win?
1: No, I think it was – I really do think it was a Green Bay loss. And, you know – I have a gripe with Aaron Rodgers because at the end of the game, he's complaining to the ref about the pass interference call. It's like, listen, they were letting everybody play the whole game. I don't even know if there was any holding calls, but that was a deliberate pass interference on Mm -hmm. the last play of the Buccaneers where they were trying to get a first down. I think it was third down. And he he held the jersey enough where there was – you could see the jersey being held. They had to call it. It was totally stretchy. And it's just like his – you know, Before the season started, it was like, go oh, get Aaron help. How come you didn't get Aaron help? You guys drafted a, a, a quarterback. Why didn't you go trade for a wide receiver? It's just like, guys, this guy had 346 yards and three touchdowns. What help does he need? He was one play, literally one play away from winning the game. It's third and goal. He scrambles a little bit. It's open field to the right-hand side. Even if he runs and he doesn't score a touchdown, he probably gets knocked down on the one or the two, or he's able to actually throw it to somebody who scrambles open. I put this loss on Aaron Rodgers, and he's a great player. But on Sunday, he didn't play great when it counted.
0: I agree. Um, I noticed a little bit that he had a little bit of target fixation like he was trying to force the ball to Devonte Adams a lot in the game. And ultimately I think that cost him because if you're, you're watching the game, you're watching the analysis in real time, they're pointing out how wide open some of the other receiving options are. And he's just trying to force it into a hole that isn't there. So yeah, I get you're trying to get your guys some touches, but at the end of the day, like what got you there? is spreading the ball around another guy who deserves a little bit of blame is Aaron Jones Aaron Jones I mean he left with a chest injury but he put the ball on the ground twice granted the Packers recovered one but the, the Bucks recovered the other one and it led directly to a score uh, Matt LaFleur definitely he needs to get some goat horns for that call you know you're down by Yeah, yeah, yeah I get I, what you're trying to do, right? But right. Your, your defense is not as good as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers' defense. So you know what? I get the pass eye call ultimately costing the game, but don't put yourself in that position to begin with. I, the refs, the, the refs, kind of missed a couple of calls. I know Sean Mur- Sean Murphy Bunting definitely had a couple of suspect plays where it could have been pass eye. Those got let go. You know. Maybe the I just the don't. Team, I just, just don't
1: I just don't think though. I don't think his holds really prevented the receiver from catching the ball. Like yes, I I believe he he, he held he held players. He held the Zard. He held the other guys, but those holds didn't prevent the receiver from catching the ball. The hold in the last. Two minutes of the game prevented Jefferson from getting to the ball. I mean, it was, and there was no way you couldn't call that. It was so clear and oblivious that they couldn't, they couldn't not call it. And that was blatant. And the other thing is, LaFleur was out coached to a certain degree, right? You have the fourth and goal. You decide to kick the field goal. I'm going to give them the ball back. I'm going to stop 43 year old Tom Brady, get the ball back, and go down and win. Okay. Now, at the end of the first half, Brady and Arians and team are faced with a similar situation. It's fourth and fourth and one. What are we going to do? Oh, we're going to punt. No, we're going to go for it. That winds up turning into like a 40 yard touchdown pass. You know, you, you gave them opportunities and, and Tom was trying to give them back the game. He threw three interceptions. He was not sharp. He did not play well at all. They won in no, spite of him.
0: <laughs> they did. Totally. Absolutely, absolutely. But you know,
1: I All just don't right. want to hear – I don't want to hear any more get Aaron Rodgers help. I'm done with it. He's had good teams. He's had great teams. You, you let this man who's 43 years old, first year playing with this team, from Tampa Bay, 73-degree 73, 73 weather, come into your house and beat you. I don't want to hear it. I'm done with it. It's over. You think he's going to come back and have a better year than he did last year? The conversation they have this week is, like, it should be Aaron Rodgers saying, you know what, it's best that I leave because it's not working here. We just went to two NFC Championship games, and we lost. Like, it's, how is it going to get better? I'm going to be 38 years old next year. How's it getting better? What are you guys going to do? Are you, who are you going to draft now? They have three stud running backs. Forget about it. two. They have two. They have, they have, Really good running backs. Their receivers aren't great, but they're good. They're serviceable. It's like, come on.
0: We're watching Aaron Rodgers turn to Brett Favre before our very eyes. The same way we watch Brett Favre turn into Brett Favre. He's becoming that player. And then after the game and the press conference, he's throwing his coach under the bus, not agreeing with the play call. And then, you know, just passive aggressively leaving the door open. that maybe he won't be there next year. And what are you gonna do with Jordan Love? So you know what? Like, there's speculation that this may be headed to an ugly divorce, but uh, we are gonna see what happens there. Aaron Rodgers will be in demand if he if he says if he demands a trade, like the Green Bay Packers are going to have, they're gonna have their choice at that point. Like, how many number ones are you gonna give me for Aaron Rodgers? I mean, granted, just Deshaun Watson's available. We're going to talk about that. Matthew Stafford is going to be available soon. We're going to talk about that. But Aaron Rodgers is totally next tier. So he did behave like a petulant child after the game. And, oh, you know, I get it. I, we, I get it. He's
1: frustrated. He's upset. He's frustrated. You could see when he shook Brady's hand, like, he was just like, man, I got to go. Like, you know, yeah. I got to I got to go. I got to go. Yeah.
0: And then, you know, expecting the linking him to the 49ers, you know, with the after the whole spiteful pick about, you know, the spiteful interview about the 49ers are going to regret passing on him. That would be a very interesting scenario if he were to end up in San Francisco after all. But um, speaking of San Francisco, their opponents in the Super Bowl last year, the Kansas City Chiefs knocked off the Buffalo Bills 38 to 24 in the AFC title game. Patrick Mahomes went 29 for 38 for 325, three touchdowns, no picks. Josh Allen was 28 for 48, 287, two touches and a pick. Got sacked four times. Looked like a deer in a headlight. It just it didn't look very good. You can tell he wasn't comfortable. Uh, he was also the team's leading rusher with 88 yards. So ultimately, what I saw was a really soft zone played by Leslie Frazier and. Andy Reid and Eric Enemy were just picking it apart at will, uh, will, you know. Travis Kelsey just found a spot, sat down, got his first down. Lather, rinse, repeat. And if you're going to let Kansas City move the ball down the field that way, you're going to lose probably 99 times out of 100.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, they got spotted nine points, right, because of the muffled, the muffled uh, punt. Yes, and then Harden, they, yeah. they kicked the field goal. So they got spotted nine points and they still lost. I mean, Allen can't be your leading rusher and your leading passer. You know, they need they need a running back. Um,
0: is that good? Was, was,
1: yeah, what was covered up, I think, is, you know, during the regular season, I think the Buffalo Bills defense was bottom five in the league in red zone defense. Now, they didn't play that way in their first, you know, two games of uh, the playoffs. But that came into light against the chiefs where, you know, they just, they just weren't able to stop. They weren't able to stop anybody on that team. They just were out. They were, the chiefs are too fast for them. They couldn't catch them. They tried everything. They were throwing everything at them. But the bottom line is, is you give Pat Mahomes that much time, people are going to come open and uh, you you can't, you can't be playing Tariq Hill one-on-one. If you're going to play zone, you got to get pressure on Mahomes. I mean, I think dating back to college, Mahomes has only lost five games by more than one score. He's something stupid like that. <laughs> Actually, I don't think he's lost any games by more than one score. Some, some, some crazy stat like that. So I think uh, Buffalo's got a lot of work to do, but I we will see the Bills and Allen and Mahomes again for years to come.
0: Josh Allen will be back. He will learn from this uh, just as the same way he learned from last year's abysmal playoff outing. This kid, he has a high football IQ and he's definitely on an upward trajectory. He's constantly improving every year. So that is, that is a plus. If you are a Buffalo bills fan, you definitely need to be encouraged by that. But the running game was non-existent when, I mean, Devin Singletary, was second in rushing with 17 yards. <laughs> 17, 17. Allen had 88. Your quarterback, yeah, you cannot afford. I mean, he's not Michael Vick. We're to the point where, you know, and even then, Michael Vick had like Michael Turner. He had a bunch of guys that would spell him. Josh Allen was doing it all on his own, and you can tell he was feeling the pressure. I mean, he took a lot. He took a a lot of yardage on those sacks for four sacks for 53 yards. And that's on him too. You got to get rid of the ball. You can't just try and scramble out and scream, blow the whistle at the ref. You gotta, you know, you gotta learn to throw the ball away. If it's not there, get rid of it. And that's a maturation process uh, process that I thought he had gotten through. Apparently he was, he isn't quite there yet. And it's back to the drawing board with him and Brian Dayball and coach McDermott. and, this team is going to get better for Kansas city. It's on to Tampa to, ho- to take on Tampa the first time ever that a home team will host the Super bowl, which is a, we're in for a real treat. So we're going to get into that game more next week since we have the extra week, some speculation going on. A lot of NFL news regarding quarterbacks, Matthew Stafford of the, of the Detroit Lions, at least for now, went to ownership and the new GM of the team and said, it would be better if we just part ways. It's not you. It's me. Maybe it's a little bit of you, but it'll be better off if we just parted our ways and you traded me. What what team in this league and there's about 15 or 16 teams that could probably use a quarterback the caliber of Matthew Stafford. Who is the best fit, in your opinion, to trade for Matthew Stafford, and who's gonna, who's actually gonna pony up the first round pick that Detroit wants?
1: You know, the, I heard a lot of people say the Broncos uh, because they no, have a lot the of Broncos good receivers and, and the Denver, uh, the Denver defense over there. And you know, John Elway would love to have a strong arm Matthew Stafford. But you know, I said it last week. I really, I really like the idea of the Saints or the Colts. Um, I think those are two spots where he can go in and right away, you know, pick up where the previous quarterback left off. Um, you know, one of the things I heard on ESPN this week was, you know, Dan Orlovsky was sounding off on the Lions saying they ruined Matthew Stafford and his Hall of Fame talent. I just, I I don't believe that at all. Um, I think while he was there, he enjoyed Calvin Johnson, which was one of the most prolific receivers in Mm -hmm. NFL history. And he, it was just, he was up against better teams. I mean, he had to play against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. He, he had to play against a stout bears defense for many years. And then the Vikings were coming, calling for some time. So it it just, it just was, it just was unlucky for him. Uh, I think he's going to have a good chance to maybe have a Carson Palmer or Kurt Warner, like second run with a team. Um, So I'm excited to see where he lands, but that's where I'd like to see him go.
0: Well, first off on Dan Orlovsky, you and I always have the same conversation whenever we talk about Dan (laughs) Orlovsky. This coward ran out of the back of the end zone because he didn't want to get hit. So, Mr. Orlovsky, that is your NFL career highlight. So please, refrain from speaking about people who are actually good. Please, will you do that for me? As for Matthew Stafford, he's 32 going on 62. I mean, he's gotten beat up the past few years. He was an Iron Man at one point, but now like he is missing a ton of time. So I don't know what team is actually going to pony up a first round pick for a guy who is getting beaten up a lot. So I mean, granted. You take out team you take out the Bears. The Bears could definitely use a quarterback, but there's no way the Lions are trading him within the division. That just sounds like a recipe for disaster. We're going to talk about Deshaun Watson in a second. One of two teams, either the Dolphins or the Jets could possibly use him. Whoever whoever loses out on Deshaun Watson could definitely pick up a Matthew Stafford. I really like him in Washington with the football team. I think him to Terry McLaurin with a competent run game. And as long as they re-sign Brandon Sheriff, who is a really good offensive lineman, if they can keep him upright and keep him healthy, I can see him doing big things with a football team. Um, The Saints would be a great idea. Yeah, I mean, you can put Matthew Stafford on six or seven teams and elevates them to the playoffs. The, The whole... Thing is, keeping him upright and keeping him healthy. The first round pick would scare me off. We've been talking about it in our production meetings, we've been banting it back and forth. Would the New England Patriots pay such a rich fee for him? And I don't know if Bill Belichick necessarily would. So that kind of eliminates him in, in my nah, eyes.
1: Nah, he, you know, I, the more I think about it, he's not going to give up a first round. I think the best he would do is a fourth round pick for him like the Randy Moss deal, like something along those lines. But, you know, from what I, from what we're hearing from La Conforta and most of the people on, on NFL.com is that a lot of teams are calling to see what is, what exactly they want because it's a mutual parting of ways. So they, Stafford doesn't want to be there. The Lions are okay with him leaving. So he's going to leave. He's going to get traded. He's not going to go into camp as a lions player. So that makes it a little harder, I think to trade him. Right. Because now if if I'm a team that's interested, I'm like, well, he ain't going to, he's not going to be there anyway. So I'll give you a second. I'll give you a third. I'll give you a 4th i I'll give you a fourth and a player. Uh, But I think a lot of teams are going to come to the table. The only thing I would say is, is I think I don't, I think he should go to a place that's a quarterback away. Right. Like the jets doesn't seem like a really good idea. Um, the Dolphins is okay, but the Dolphins seems like they should go with somebody younger. Like they should get somebody like Deshaun Watson or stick with Tua because you got a team that you're growing, you're building. Uh, the 49ers, maybe that might be a, a good idea too, but he should definitely go to a place that's a quarterback away, not a place where they're building or they think they have something. Uh, there's been a lot of discourse lately with Les Sneed and the Rams and and Jared Goff. I, I don't see Jared Goff going anywhere, but you know that would be another interesting idea if he was able to ha- latch on with the Rams.
0: I also don't know if he'll fit too well in Sean McVay's system, but one team that's... Who does? It, well, yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't even know what that system is about anymore. They, pounded the, they ran the ball way better than they threw it this year, and when you talk about the Rams, you talk about their defense. You're not talking about their offense at all.
0: That's true, but that, that's the funny part. When they first said, it was all about speed. It was basically like more effective Chip Kelly offense. But now, like, they've lost their entire identity. Once Todd Gurley left, once his knee started flaring up, like, it all went to pot. But one team that's really interesting to me, and we have to wait, and we have to sit and watch, is the Steelers. Granted, they just brought in Dwayne Haskins, but Dwayne Haskins is on, you know, he's on, like, double-seeker probation. Like, he fucks up there, he's done. Joshua Dobbs, really? Mason Rudolph, really? Ben Roethlisberger, we don't know. Would the Steelers, in order to keep this thing going, to keep the train on the tracks, would they trade for Matthew Stafford? I would think they would, and I think that would be a good fit too.
1: If Ben, especially if Ben retires,
0: right. So that's the thing we're waiting on him. We already know Philip Rivers is gone. Maybe the Colts, not a bad little place landing spot either, but we do know that one quarterback has already kind of put his preferred landing spot out. And that's Deshaun Watson of the Houston Texans, who according to reports prefers to go to the New York Jets, especially now that they have hired head coach Robert Sala. My question is this, Deshaun Watson, do you really want to win?
1: Ladies and gentlemen, do not drink the water in Houston. There's something wrong with the water in Houston.
0: What do you What do you see on the Jets that makes you think, "Hey, this is a place I want to be"?
1: They're going places. I like the way they think. There,
0: like, I don't. I don't understand it. But I mean, like, brilliant. I, yeah, I mean, do Do you have any insight on this? Because I have no fucking earthly idea.
1: <laughs> Man, I really want to throw to brashad (laughs) Berryman. he's
0: he's he's awesome braxton berrios oh yeah Yeah, that's some good stuff right there
1: they've done so such so good with quarterbacks in the past i could be i could be mark sanchez in a couple of years
0: oh man if if i'm lucky if he's lucky you know yeah yeah oh (laughs) my goodness deshaun watson what are you thinking man uh if that's the case stay stay with the texans you know?
1: you know, and that's the one place that, you know, they, they haven't hired a coach yet. Um, I mean, at this point, it's got to be the enemy, right? I mean, you're not you're not holding out for anybody else that's playing in this Super Bowl. Uh, unless maybe it's Byron Leftwich. that would be interesting. But it's got to be the enemy at this point, right? I mean, Frazier, I don't think it's going to be Frazier. They would have hired him already. Joe Brady, I don't think that's happening. Schottenheimer, oh I don't even think that guy got an interview. <laughs> so... I just, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, but that report, I mean, we've heard it from certain sources, mostly New York sources. I don't know how true that is. But, man, if that's the case, when he gets to New York, get him a CT scan right away.
0: <laughs> oh, my goodness. Just like, what do you see here? It's like a Rorschach test. Like You're going to put Braxton Berrios. I see Will Fuller. Uh, what do you see, for Rashad Perriman? I see DeAndre Hopkins. Dude, your eyes are crossed. I don't know what to tell you.
1: I see the, I see the New York Jets. I see multiple
0: championships
1: <laughs> over a long period not of four, time. Not four, <laughs> not five,
0: not six. I think he's talking about I'm going to be
1: the king of New York. I'm going to be the king of New York. Deshaun, they play in New Jersey. I'm going to be the king of New Jersey.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. All I know is that the relationship is so beyond repair that he's willing to go to the Jets. I mean, Cesar Rio, he was not he was not consulted on that hire. Yeah, I get it. You want to be involved in the organization. But at the end of the day, like McNair went behind your back. Allegedly, I'd say he was just doing his job as his, as the owner. But um...
1: but another 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 part of me believes that this is orchestrated. Right. Like this was the mindset when they went and got this GM mm-hmm. was that. We're going to create this rift because we need to get him off our books. We cannot rebuild this team with no draft picks and all of our money going to this quarterback. Oh, totally. And every and every single year, there are stud quarterbacks coming out of college. So, you know, Tua, like Tua was – I wouldn't call Tua a stud, but come on, for half the price, you can have Tua. I'm, I mean, come on. Jimmy G, like these, these guys are – the, off, the college game has changed so much that, and granted, Deshaun Watson is a fantastic quarterback. This is not a shot yeah. at him at all. But the situation that Houston has themselves into, they're not going to be able to win with him in the short term. So you're going to have this guy, and then what happens if you, you, you don't want to play the what-if game, but if he gets hurt or you just waste, like even J.J. Watts says, we're just wasting years for you. We're wasting it on you. That, that stuff, it's true. No, it it it's totally true. is.
0: Um, at the same time, though, like, they can turn around. I could definitely see a guy like Matt Jones, you know? Why not? He, he seems to run the sure. first-file offense in yeah. Alabama. He knows what Absolutely. he's doing. And if you could take him in, like, the third or fourth round, like, the guy's, you know, he's got a, he seems to have a good head on his shoulder. He's like A.J. McCarron with an arm. And everybody talked about how much, Listen, you're in the- you know, how, how high the acumen was for A.J. McCarron. But um, it makes you wonder, definitely, about the coaching vacancy, though. Like, to to go back to what you were saying, like, they have to be waiting on somebody from one of these staffs. It has to be. It has to be. I mean, it's got to be the enemy. It has to be. It's either the enemy or left or – I don't think Todd Bowles gets another shot so quickly.
1: No, that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense. And why – you know, and why not get a college guy? Like, it just – I don't know. It just, it seems like it's all lining up for the enemy. If it's not the enemy, I'd be shocked. And for him, that would kind of be a good situation for him, you know, because he can go in there. He'll go, he'll get to hand pick his quarterback yeah. and he'll be able to get a, you know, a bunch of draft picks, but you know, it's just, it's a terrible situation there. And, and the other thing is, is when you think about it, they're in the AFC South. I mean, there's no world beaters in the no. AFC South. Like the Colts were the best team in that division this year. Like, uh, Jacksonville is rebuilding. Uh, you're the Houston Texans. Tennessee Titans, they're really good, but they're beatable. I mean, they're beatable. Is, is King Henry going to go for another 2,000 yards next year? I don't think so. So you could, you could quickly turn things around. But the more I, I listen to this, the more I'm thinking this was orchestrated by the organization. They felt like, okay, let's get his input, but ultimately we're going to do what mm-hmm. we want. Not that it not that that's gonna piss him off, but this is laying the groundwork for okay, he's upset. All right, this works out to our advantage. So, you know, let's let's see if we can use this in our favor. Like it's a PR thing. I just that's my opinion. Yeah. Because you wouldn't you wouldn't deliberately do this to him. No, no,
0: definitely. Right? Not.
1: You wouldn't deliberately do this to your best player.
0: Well, I mean, it runs parallel to a very similar situation in Philly too, the way Doug Peterson handled Carson Wentz. Ultimately, that one blew up in his face and cost him his job to the point where Nick Sirianni, the offensive coordinator. Exactly. Some guy I think we grew up with him. I think we went to, we went to high school with him. Jamestown, New I York, so.
1: right?
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, he, the last of the offensive coordinator position of the Indianapolis Colts, is now the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. We know that he is under Frank Reich, who is under Doug Peterson, who is under Andy Reid. So, really, isn't this just maintaining the status quo over there in Philly?
1: I don't think so. Uh, the more I looked into the situation, it's very, it's very peculiar. Uh, and I say it in this sense. Like, they brought this guy in, and they allowed him to hire his own staff. He, he picked the guys that he wanted to be on his, coaching lab, on his coaching staff. Now, when you compare this to Doug Peterson, Doug Peterson kept most of the coaches that were there from Chip Kelly. And they're really good coaches. Like they really helped the Eagles win that Super Bowl. Uh, Apparently, Doug Peterson just doesn't have a good acumen for, you know, picking up coaches and doesn't have a lot of connections in the league. I just think it's very interesting that they bring this guy in and they're like, "Yeah, you can, you know, kind of pick your set." I don't even think this guy's ever called a play because he came from Minneapolis under under Frank Reich, but pretty sure Reich was calling the plays there. And then before that, he was in San Diego or L no, he was in San Diego at the time or LA. And Reich was calling the plays there too. So I don't even know if this guy's ever called a play. And they bring him in, it's just like, well, what kind of what's his offense gonna look like? And is Carson Wentz your guy? Are you in the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes too? Like how's this going to I have play no out? idea
0: to be honest with you, because if you look at the Indianapolis Colts offense I mean, it definitely left uh, left something to be desired. You know, you definitely you have a, a decent run game there. I mean, you didn't get your best wide receiver involved. T. Y. Hilton was a ghost for most of the year. I mean, granted, they finally figured out how to use him a little bit towards the end of the year, but you know, kind of too little, too late. You had three, you had three quality tight ends. Well, at least they they came to be three quality tight ends. Nobody heard of Mo Ali Cox before the season started, so you know. There was, you know, they moved the ball. They scored points. They definitely were a force to be reckoned with. If you take that same system over to Philly, what are we working with here? Your running game is Miles Sanders and Boston Scott. Is that as good? Who are good? good? Are they as good, good as the Indianapolis running game? I'm not so sure. Uh, Wide outs? I mean, there is no T.Y. Hilton on the Eagles, whatsoever. Um, I mean, Travis Fulgham, okay, like he was okay this year. Like he came out of nowhere. Greg Ward, I think, was your second best wide receiver. Um, you know, they, they have a lot of room to grow in the wide receiver position. Tight end Zach Ertz and Dallas.
1: which makes you, th- which makes you, which makes you think they're gonna probably take a wide receiver in the draft, right? They're probably gonna get the guy. Not, they're not gonna be at. Devonta Smith, but they might be able to get the second wide receiver from Alabama.
0: They might take Waddle. They they definitely might take him. You know, um, we got to see because he might not even make it. Pe- I mean, it depend. It all depends on you know any trades that happen because Miami may be taking a wide out if they stay at number three or if they give that up for Watson. Does Houston jump in? You know, teams are they're, they're, There's a possibility that moves will be made. But, you know, there's a possibility that Smith may fall because he is he's not small, but he's definitely undersized at six foot and one seventy-five. He definitely I mean he can grow into his body, but you know, he's still young. And at that size, he might get beaten up a little bit. Um, tight end position in Philly, Zach Ertz, goodbye. So that leaves you Dallas Goddard. I mean, Dallas Goddard's good, but Is he as good as the three-headed monster of Doyle, Cox, and Burton? I don't think so. And offensive line. Is the offensive line as good as the Indianapolis Colts? So this system, you know, he may have to rethink the system on the fly because the talent may not be there yet. Um, we got to look at the cap situation and see if they can add some free agents for them. And if Wentz isn't the the guy and Hurts is the guy, does that change everything entirely? So, I don't know. I feel like Sirianni kind of stepped in it a little bit. And, you know, the only real solid core, the the only real solid unit for me is the defense in Philly. But, I mean, we're going to have to see. I'm
1: not not trying to – right. I'm not trying to say, like, Doug Peterson was the best coach in that division, but now the best coach in that division is clearly Ron.
0: Oh, no. Oh, totally. Absolutely.
1: Head and shoulders above all the guys that he's going to be coaching against.
0: Yeah, I mean, if we're doing an impromptu order up, and we're doing an impromptu order up right now, Rivera, order up. Order up. I'm mm. going Rivera, Judge McCarthy, and then this guy, just because he's a giant question mark.
1: Yeah, I, I can I I go along with that too. I think McCarthy's system only works with certain yeah, players.
0: like uh, Mister uh, Aaron Rodgers. To bring it to bring it back full Shh. circle. Sort sort of back full circle.
1: Sort of. Just to, and you know what? Just to even bring up another point on Aaron Rodgers. You know, I was talking to a buddy of mine from the Midwest, Mike, and uh, he was telling me that you know, Brett Favre is probably still the more loved Cor- Packer quarterback because if if Rodgers was able to deliver this second championship, it might have changed things. But the the fact that he wasn't able to deliver the second championship. It could really hurt his legacy. Yeah, I
0: could see where that, ha- where, where that would occur. I mean, Brett Favre always, like, he's that lovable good old boy, you know? He's just, like, he puts on his Wranglers, and he goes out and plays and gives it his all and all shuts. Whereas Aaron Rodgers really is, like, you know, he just comes off as super standoffish And like, not that he thinks he's better than you, but he kind of thinks he's better than you, and he, and you know it. So, yeah, I mean, it's – I can definitely see where Brett Favre would capture the Midwestern sensibility more so than an Aaron Rodgers would, but um, yeah, it's all for naught anyway because yeah, I, I don't know if Aaron Rodgers is staying. Like he he might be the third domino to fall. He might be the first domino to fall, but there are a lot of moving parts that we can look forward to once the once the Super Bowl has come and gone and the. Uh, the new league year is upon us. We're going to have a lot of fun. And there's going to be a wild ride along the way. It's time for the mail route on the fade route. If you want to join us, email fade route, mail at gmail.com. Questions, comments, picks, you name it. Fade route, mail at gmail.com. All right, boys and girls, we have a full mailbox for you guys today. Starting first with Caesar in Hell's Kitchen, a friend of the show and frequent emailer. Hey, guys, what's going on? The Capitals, Wizards, and Grizzlies have all had COVID scares. How can leagues alter their roster rules to keep the seasons on track? It's a great question. It's really one that we've been thinking about and for me i keep going back to major league baseball they put they put a taxi squad on their roster it's basically the equivalent of the healthy scratch in hockey um you can you can definitely implement that and kind of extend the rosters to a certain degree i mean you can add three more guys from the ahl affiliate in the nhl um you can keep a couple of G League guys, just a couple of extra G League guys in case you need to, you know, in case you need to flush out the rosters. Major League Baseball, they had their alternate sites. So maybe you should have some alternate sites where guys are practicing along with maybe an assistant coach or somebody who has who has the system down so that it can just be a plug and play scenario. So you're not doing what the Wizards did where they had to sign Alex Len, like on a Friday and you're in the lineup on Saturday. Like, I don't even know what the hell we're running here. So like, well, what, what kind of system we running here? We want to, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not even sure where I am right now. So, you know, you definitely can do something like that and maybe relax, maybe relax it to some point where you can have like an emergency player. Remember what, like when the Broncos wanted to start their quarterback control coach and that the NFL wouldn't let them do it. If you know, if he's an able-bodied enough, uh, able-bodied enough guy, maybe you put that t- maybe you put that out there. Like,
1: if he's sober and he's American, get him in you know, there.
0: Like, like, in, like, even in hockey, they have the emergency goaltender, <laughs> right? Like, just in case something happens, basically they pluck a guy from the fucking stands. Like, dude, you can be the goalie tonight. So, like, I don't know. Like, maybe these are maybe these are ways the leagues can go so that they're not canceling games for six, seven days at a time. I don't know. You tell me, Uh, you got any ideas on this brother?
1: I just think they should try to follow the NFL model uh, because the NFL, regardless of how many outbreaks they had, they didn't miss games. They played their games. So if that means if for the NBA, if that means letting the G league players come up and play, let the G League players come up and game. There's 54 games in this in this season, I believe. If the G League players come up and have to play three or four games, let it be. You're getting into a situation where I don't see how some of these teams are going to make up these games. You got teams like, like you said, like the Grizzlies and the Wizards, they missed yeah. like six games. Like, when are they, how are they supposed to make this up? Like, because you're, you're going, they're actually traveling. So when are they going to play some of these teams? How are they going to get in the same area code and play them again? It just seems like I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to disrespect the season or say it's not important, but at one point in the NFL season, like you said, the the Broncos had a practice squad quarterback because, Hey, we got to get these games in. We got to play like just for this year. We're just going to have to work with this. And, and, and I think basketball is a lot less dangerous, right? Because oh, totally. in football, if you don't know what you're doing, you can get killed. Like, in basketball, I mean, it's pick and roll. It's screen and roll. It's motion. It's man-to-man. Like, you can go up and down the court a couple of times and figure it out. And at the end of the day, um, <laughs> are we really worried about the Wizards and the Grizzlies like losing games? So – Let's just let's just get as many games as we can in if that means letting the G League players play with the yeah, G. Yeah, I think that would be
0: fine. And I mean you know, it goes to show you though that no system is perfect because the NHL gerrymandered their division so that they would minimize travel. <laughs> so as opposed to the yeah. NBA where it's like, ah oh, dude, you know, like we're just gonna play shorter a shorter season, but guess what? it's going to be like COVID never happened. You guys are going to be on planes. You're going to be in this city and that city. You're going to be all over the country, baby. So it goes to show you.
1: And the other part about right. Right. The other part is, is it's not like they're playing in front of fans right now. So it's not like people are paying $180, $250 to see G leaguers. Like nobody's, nobody's, paying any money to see these games so let's just get the games in like let's get let's just you're gonna you might even discover something at, at that's some true
0: point. exactly so the next super the next great superstar the next unknown might be a g-league player who just explodes on the scene so you know just let it ride and let's see where it goes our next email comes from Lowe in columbus ohio new to the show Guys, there's three weeks until pitchers and catchers report. When and where will Trevor Bauer sign?
1: He's gotta to go to the Mets, right? I mean you gotta imagine I'm they were the deal. from what I understand. From what I understand, he's trying to get like uh, he's trying to get coal money, uh, which is fine. Twenty seven, twenty million dollars. Uh but there's a lot of guys still out there. I mean, it's unreal. You got, like, Yadi Molina, Matt Weeders, Daniel Murphy, who should probably go back to the Mets too. Absurdo Cabrera, good shortstop. Joe Panic, St. John's alum. <laughs> Woo-hoo! Uh, Joe, Jonathan Soup, Justin Turner's uh, wait, still wait, out wait, there with the 4.7 war. Are you listing, are you listing Mets
0: or are you listing free agents?
1: <laughs> I'm listing free, free the, agents. The last
0: five guys you listed, I think, were all former Mets. It's very interesting. <laughs>
1: Jake Lamb. Good player DD Gregorius Brett Gardner I, I don't like him but he's he's available Jock Peterson he's got to become an angel right Jay Bruce uh, Jackie Bradley jr. another good Met he should go to the Mets uh, Billy Hamilton good great base runner dear Park zone Nick Maracus I hope the Braves take him back you Puig what's going on there Marcelo Zuna five war he's still out there Nelson Cruz a six war still out there order Rezzi still out there Tanaka Wainwright Roberto Zuna There's a lot of guys that are still out there and you know, they haven't gotten to sign anybody yet. And you would think they would sign them because you know you're gonna have COVID issues and you're gonna need a deeper roster. Well, it's
0: definitely been a slow moving market. Um I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that teams didn't know if there was gonna be a universal DH. So that definitely changes how you construct your roster. So now that you know there we're going to get to that in our next email but now that we found out that there won't be a universal dh maybe some of these guys will start coming off the board and that's going to limit like nelly cruz that's definitely going to limit his market because you're not sticking nelson cruz out in the field now he's like 44 years old if you do good luck but um with bauer this is spite he hates garrett cole and he wants if it's a dollar more he wants to make a dollar more. He
1: That's just, what he wants. He just wants to make exactly a dollar more
0: than Garrett Cole. And you know what? Come to New York. We have. He's, got he's it. good. He's good. He's it. good. Could
1: you imagine? I mean, could you imagine if they got him? If you're playing a three game series against the Mets, you got to go against a Grom, Bauer,
0: Syndergaard. Come on. That's a that's you take just, your pick. Oh, you can throw Stroman oh, in there. You can go cook Go in instead. If Syndergaard's not healthy, Jeez. that's pretty deep.
1: I'm just saying, geez, that's like, oh, great. Oh, I can't wait to play the Mets.
0: And, <laughs> <geez>. Exactly. <laughs> and you know what? They just signed Aaron Loop today, too. So the lefty out of the bullpen has definitely been solved. You know, Brad Hand went to the Washington Nationals. So uh, Sandy Alderson and the new GM. Um, I forget his name. He was the assistant, got promoted when Mr. Dick Pick got fired, and rightfully so. <laughs> um, Nationals,
1: Nationals making some making good some moves. moves. Definitely. I like, I, like, I like how they went and picked up, um, what's his name, from uh, Lester. I love that
0: pickup. It's a oh, solid a move, you know, going in behind Strasburg and Scherzer. I mean, you're definitely going to shore up your rotation, so you don't have to go back into, like, the Anibal Sanchez market. No offense, he was a great national, won them a ring. But, you know, John Lester, you know, I definitely would prefer having him on that roster. And then JT or Rio Muto just moved. He's back in Philly on a five-year deal. Marcus Simeon 15 million. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Marcus Simeon yeah. For a catcher. Like, it's very interesting. And then after that, they signed uh, all former Yankees to minor league contracts. So, like, Nova, Brian Mitchell, like basically, if you were a former Yankee from 2009 to 2015, you might have a minor league deal. But hey, Brett, you might have a minor league deal available in Philly. Just don't go back to the Yankees. He's oh, awful. God, he sucks. I can't stand him. Our third and final email comes from Jim in Louisville, Kentucky. What are your thoughts on the Major League Baseball Players Association rejecting the universal DH and expanded playoffs? Well, Jim, <laughs> it's a mo-
1: yeah. I mean, it's it's a money thing, right? I mean, that's basically totally. what it's about. That's what I think it's about. Um, but I'm I, I am a National League guy. I believe the pitcher should have to bat. I don't like the DH, but. The scenario where I would accept a universal DH is that everybody gets a universal DH, but the minute you take out your starting pitcher, you have to eliminate the pitcher as the bat. I think that's. Fair. I
0: heard that rule. I That was um, that suggestion. I think was what uh, Joel Sherman. I think was. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's it's... a great idea. It's you know it's no, it I'm fine with it. It's like an inverted DH rule. Like in, you know, if you lose your DH to whatever reason, your pitcher has to hit. So if he has to play the field, yeah.
1: You say you right, and you say you save your starting pitcher, yeah. right? Because now he's he he won't get hurt because everyone's always worried about their starting pitcher batting pulling a hamstring or getting hurt. And now it's in your hands. You could let your relievers bat or you could simply pitch it for them whenever they get up. More people will get to play. And um, yeah, I think I'm I'd be okay with that that kind of form as a
0: traditionalist i didn't like the universal dh rule i like my national league baseball i like the strategy of it i like the double switching it was a weird year uh with the universal dh and i get the necessity of it i don't like the fact that one is tied to the other like major the the owners tried to sneak that by the players association like you want this but you gotta take this and you know I get that major league baseball players association just wants as much money as they can get for their constituents. And that's, you know, that's their right as organized labor. Like that's what you should be doing. And there has to be a better way of coming to the table and trying to mutually benefit each other. Cause this is an acrimonious relationship to say the least. And I don't want this to end in another labor stoppage and Tony Clark and Rob Manfred seem to be on a collision course to another labor stoppage, but I I'm not a fan of the expanded playoffs either. To be honest with you, uh, you know, I mean one wild card was enough, and now you have a second one, and now you have another one. I mean, when does it stop? Like are we, I mean, there's there's only so many teams in the league. You know, you're gonna have to you know call a number at some point. When is enough enough?
1: I've been saying it for years. Baseball is a shark. It is perfect the way it is. It had no reason to evolve since the moment it was created.
0: Just exactly. keep your yeah. damn hands off my baseball. If you want to get featured, email us at fade route mail at gmail.com or hit us up on Instagram. Slide in our DMs at fade route podcast. You hit us up, you might end up on the show. Swipe left or swipe right? You know the drill, boys and girls. If we agree with the statement, we're swiping right. If we disagree, we're swiping left. Today's topic is going to be a deeper dive on some of the Hall of Fame candidates that are not getting the coverage they deserve. So, the first candidate, Are we swiping left or swiping right on Scott Rowland? What's your, what's your call, D?
1: Man, it's tough. I, I I mean, you remember growing up. I love Scott Rowland. He was one of my favorite players. Ah, he just, I don't think he's got the numbers. I mean, he he's, I think a two eighty one lifetime hitter. He's got eight gold glove awards. Mm -hmm. That's nice. But the, he's, he's the only hall of famer. He has similar numbers to is Ron Santo. And I just, I'm going to have to swipe left for him.
0: I'm going to swipe right on him. Uh, Got a ring, not the championships or the end-all be-all. You know, seven-time All-Star, eight-time Gold Glover, former Rookie of the Year, has a Silver Slugger to his name. Definitely lived up to the hype as far as, you know, maybe unreasonable expectations. When he got to Philly, he was supposed to be the next Mike Schmidt. He definitely was the first Scott Rowland. So defensive whiz is a great defensive player. And, you know, 280, you know, 281 is nothing to sneeze at, 316 home runs, decent numbers, you know, his on-base percentage career, 364, slugging was OPS, 855. That's not bad. So, I mean, if Ron Santos in and it's a comp, I say go with it.
1: Okay. Up next, we got Omar Vizquel. You swiping left? Or I'm swiping
0: right? right on Omar Vizquel for two reasons. Ozzie Smith and Bill Mazeroski. Defensive whizzes that are in the Hall of Fame already. And you know what? If you do a deeper dive on Omar Vizquel's numbers, offensively, he was better than Ozzie Smith. You're looking at a career 272 batting average, 10 points higher than Ozzie Smith. Ozzie Smith didn't even hit 20 home runs in his career. So Omar Vizquel had 80 for his career. So granted, it's not, you know, not that great, but still Ozzie Smith is in. I'm going to have to go with an 11 time gold glove winner in Omar Omar Vizquel. What say you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm swiping right on him too, especially if he could do a back, back flip backflip, uh, 11 time gold Glover. And again, comps to Ozzie Smith. So I think he gets in uh next we got is todd helton swiping left or swiping right
0: this one this one is probably the most difficult one that's on our list today and just based on the numbers we have here i'm gonna swipe right a 316 career hitter 369 home runs he's got a batting title it's a five-time all-star four-time silver slugger defensively he was a three-time gold glove winner he wasn't I mean, he wasn't, uh, you know, he wasn't great, but he was very good at first base. He wasn't flashy, but he got the job done. Considering he had a bad back from pretty much when he was playing football at Tennessee, and he was the air, you know, he was the quarterback before Peyton Manning. So, yeah, he was it's that's a right. A little trivia awesome. for you there, kids. But what gives you pause about him is the course field factor. If you compare him to Larry Walker. Larry Walker went to St. Louis, and he came from Montreal. So he had a career outside of Colorado. Todd Helton, he only played for the Rockies. So I think he's a Hall of Famer, but I can see where people would balk at that.
1: Yeah, I'm swiping right. He's, his comps are Bagwell, Vlad G., Walt, Larry Walker. All those guys are in, so he gets in for me. Uh, Last one we have is Mark Burley. Swiping left or you swiping right?
0: I am swiping right on Mark Burley as well. Not only is he a five-time All-Star, not only does he have 214 wins to his resume, career 3-8 ERA, eh, that's decent, not great. Meh, meh, Meh. he's got a ring. Defensively, he won four gold gloves, so he was a rock-solid player. What takes me over the top for him, the no-hitter, and the perfect game like that really is what seals the deal for me for Mark Burley.
1: Well, you kind of talked me into it. I actually originally swiped left for him, but I didn't realize he had a no hitter and a perfect game. I'm not impressed with his 214 wins. I think that's mediocre because he had 160 losses. That's a lot. Hey, if you played for the White Sox, you would have a lot of losses too. 3.80 ERA is pretty good though. But if, He's got the perfect game, the World Series ring, and a no-hitter. Yeah, I think he gets in. I agree with that.
0: Anybody else do you Mm. think uh, that uh, we missed or you want us to take a deeper dive on? Remember, hit the email. Who knows? We may do that deep dive for you. (laughs)
1: thanks for tuning in tonight you catch our podcast on spotify or the anchor
0: thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast if you like what you heard and want to hear more be sure to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform rate us five stars leave us a review turn on subscription notifications and tell your friends spread the word spread it wide